Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. See, uh, this is a big weekend. This is a big show. Dan, it's a big show. Yes. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Are you all prepared for that? <laughs> You're going to be picking up some goodies on the way home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound too positive there, Dan. <laughs> it's Hallmark holiday, bud. Gotta have it. And then what? We got Monday is uh, President's Day. So I'm guessing, Jim, you must have your President's Day music all lined up, ready to go. I, don't know, I was thinking more of the Valentine's Day music oh. lined up and ready to go. You know, what, what is there about the presidents out there, really? I, don't I might ask you the same thing about Valentine's yeah, Day. Well, there's quite a bit. There yeah. is. One might be surprised, wouldn't they? They might be hitting some spinners or something like that. <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of cool. You know, I got it. That's a good Valentine's Day choice. The rockers like me, we got lovers. Love, I love hurts. Nazareth, you know, there it is. Classic rock. How about love stinks? If you're gonna, are uh, you taking requests? Sure. Is that was that's like? Uh, I was gonna say Billy Idol, but that's not right, is it? No, I don't think so. No, I'll have to see if I can find that. I don't know. Is there I'm anything? thinking of the Adam Sandler version that he sings in The oh, Wedding okay. Singer. I don't think that's available. No. No. I doubt it. Mm. But it's a song, though. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's how could you? How can you know anything? I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're already off to a really weird I start. You're gonna be in trouble when you. Welcome get back, Jim. <laughs> we missed you last week. I missed you guys actually. Good. I will tell you though, I had to go down south, and if you want to drive through Los Angeles, and a I don't, perfect day to do it is on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, did you just not very much traffic? Sailed, huh? sailed on the way back. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I had to go down there for a family thing, but uh, down in by San Diego, and it was kind of fun actually in a long way, a lot of ways. But uh, but yeah, just coming back through Los Angeles on uh, Super Bowl Sunday was awesome. Screaming along. Oh, screaming right through. Yeah, I got through Los Angeles in less than an hour. Wow, really, really nice. That's yeah, awesome. Very good. <laughs> Man, so. This week started out with supposed to be like basically no economic news. So just going to be left to see what kind of momentum could develop on its own. There was a little bit of, you know, stuff on Friday, but not not a really big news week as compared to other weeks. And uh, watched a fair amount of the sell-off continue. It was kind of a wild week again. So much volatility. Did you guys get to watch any? I'm. You may have watched some of this. I'm. I'm doubtful that Jim did, but get to watch um, Janet Yellen this week. I did see some of that. Yeah, she that talked. Was, that was on my to do list. Watch yeah. Janet Yellen. I knew you wouldn't miss that. <laughs> we're we're getting through to you. The she testified in front of the House Financial Services Committee and then before the Senate Banking Committee, 
And um, how much did you watch? I caught little bits here and there. Little bits here and there. I kind of turned it on and I tried to watch. Sometimes I felt... Uh, I just felt bad for Janet Yellen. Did you ever get that sense? No, I just... I feel like people just pick on her and try uh, to get her to contradict herself or say what they're really thinking. Like, just try to pin you down to something that you didn't quite want to say. I feel like it's gotten more tame in the last eight years. I mean, do you, do you remember when when uh, Bernanke and oh. yeah, even before that Greenspan, they'd go in front of the... What is it? The House Financial Services Committee, and they just get hammered. They just gr- get grilled by these people. Oh, Why did you do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do to stop this? Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting. I I couldn't help but just think though, as I watched it both times, and I was just floored. She does such a good job. I mean the the topics and the variety of questions and. All very good political answers, you know. I mean, just it was it was really um, interesting to watch. And it was, feels like she's getting grilled by people who don't know nearly as much as she. They does. don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the kind of thing I liked about Bernanke in the beginning was that he he sort of was able to reply in a way that suggested that you don't know as much as me, but but. Janet Yellen seems to just do, she just answers a little bit, like, just more, um, I guess, less vindictive in any of her responses. She's just so nice and and passive, and she seems like she just is, I, I got to guess, she's doing a great job. I mean, I don't know if anybody could say how you could do things better or differently. Um, some of the things that were talked about this week was... Um, the financial condition of the U.S. and Janet was pinned down basically to say that the the United States economy recently has been less supportive of growth with declines in equity prices, higher borrowing rates for riskier borrowers, further appreciation of the dollar. Um, it sounded like for the and some of the talk I saw this time they were finally talking about could the U.S. do negative interest rates and then they discussed a bit about they were considering it strongly in 2010. Um, so that was kind of interesting. It it left a lot of sense of this economy is um, is stressing these people out a little bit. You could tell. Yeah, that, that my takeaway was that um, it was generally positive. I thought. I thought that they they were saying that the doll, the strengthening dollar, which you you hear a lot of negative spin from that, that people aren't, you know, consumers outside of the United States aren't buying U.S. made products because that strong dollar is making them more expensive to buy overseas, and that's a negative. But there's she she was saying that part of the reason that that dollar is stronger is because it's a sign that our economy is doing better. Right. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's nice when other countries want to buy your products, but it's also good when your economy is strengthening and it's showing itself in the dollar. I was also thinking about this a little bit with some of the consumer spending numbers we've seen lately. It, you know, it, it's been talked that maybe the consumer's not as strong, they're not as recovered as we want them to be because they're not out spending as much, we're not, you know, growing as much as we want to be, but maybe they're maybe the consumer is spending. Maybe the US consumers just 
taking more trips because of the strong dollar situation. We're just not seeing the sales on American products as much. I mean, there could, I've got to believe there's more travel. I know I'm thinking more about travel because there's an opportunity now where you can go places for cheaper than you used to be able to. Especially, it's kind of a, we should do a commercial. It's the golden age of travel. Yeah. With oil prices so low. Sure. And a good dollar, it makes it a pretty good time to take a trip. I seriously, you're saying this about the oil, and I had to go down to Oxnard, and I had to go down to San Diego this past week. I've been traveling a lot, but um, I think with my Vons Club, I paid two nineteen or two twenty nine. Huh? At Napomo. Did you guys see this week? It's it, crazy it was, how low the prices. It's are. It's being discussed this week on some of the financial channels that. Um, we may see 99 cent a gallon gas right i mean not here in california yeah but at parts of the country well actually a friend of mine went to arizona and said it was a dollar 79 yeah i got a friend from texas that likes to send pictures from the pump that's real fun <laughs> there's a lot of places yeah. in the country where gas is cheaper than here I went there's there. a, the big cover article in the newspaper this morning was how the declining prices are really killing jobs in bakersfield oh the decline in oil prices yeah yeah my neighbor is um has been struggling with that for a couple years now and it doesn't really seem that there's probably much end in sight. I watched a, a segment yesterday um, on one of the financial channels that talked at length about the where oil is likely to go this year. And mm -hmm. surprise, surprise, there wasn't anybody really saying that it was heading up significantly. There was a lot of talk about potentially a barrel of oil even getting down into the teens. Um, which is kind of crazy to think about, but no, nonetheless, I'm sure by the time it hits that point, we'll be pumping the summer blend, which mm -hmm. will be more expensive, and um, we yeah. won't have to save all that money. I, I, I hate. I actually didn't think about this, but I went to Arizona last summer with the same friend, and when we're going through needles in that area to get that part uh. of Arizona. So we passed by the Chevron station there. There's nobody there. Basically, it's like um, something like four something, or no, four, three or four something a gallon. Anyway, I said, well, maybe we should really get gas here because we're almost, you know, getting really long gas. No, no, no. Another five miles across into Arizona, at over a dollar less a gallon. Wow. You know? And I felt bad for the guy because of the taxes and all this stuff because he's in California. He's got, you know. Interesting. Yeah, it was over a dollar less a gallon. That's a pretty good savings. Yeah. You got a 15 or 20 gallon tank. Well, yeah, shoot. And why would you stop at the Chevron station on the border and just go over the border into Arizona and pay less gas for the gas? I felt kind of bad for the you gas. You know, I always like, wondered that. Why, why would people pay more like that? Yeah. And um, there's a couple reasons why people pay more, Jim. Why is that? Well... One is that some of those name brand gas stations like Chevron, yeah, people have their Chevron gas card. Yeah, well, that's true. So they want to go there and use their gas card instead of going somewhere else. Yeah. But you know what else that I learned too? Hmm. When I worked at um, Caltrans, we yeah. had um, Caltrans gas cards. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think, I think I had two. Yeah. That I could take if I took one of the cars. Uh -huh. 
And I think it was Shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another one. Mm-hmm. They were the two most expensive gas stations in the city. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if, like, if that was on purpose. I don't know. I mean, I know through the radio, <laughs> yeah, through the radio stations here, our promotional vehicles, they've got a Shell gas card. Yeah. And so I don't, maybe because. So, yeah, people will pay more. Well, and at times, like I look at gas pumps, it's four cents a gallon more or less if you cross the street. I'm just I mean, wondering if like. 15 our, gallons, you're talking 90 cents. That's like you probably burn yeah. 90 cents by trying to punch it across the intersection to get over there. So yeah. it's not a big deal. But a buck, that's a pretty compelling savings. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking maybe with the gas carts because we're a corporate thing and and of course caltrans would be along the same lines maybe in the ultimate end of it they've got like some sort of uh, a discount oh i'm sure of it yeah you because know, we have like hey you get rating. your four yeah. percent cash back on you're gonna blah, start blah, blah. Yeah. you're gonna start mixing in you know like corporations and expenses and stuff i know you're getting a good deal <laughs> yeah well, so yeah gas like is TV. low <laughs> <laughs> gas is low is the point of all that yeah <laughs> Gas is low and potentially heading lower. Um, so it's it, it's a it's a weird thing though. You still see at least some of these folks are talking about whether or not the feds might raise rates again in June, which is kind of interesting. Um, well, first seems, they were talking about March. Well, oh, yeah, and yeah, that seems like it's off the table. March seems like it's probably not going. But happen. there was also a question about whether it was possible that this Fed could decide to go backward, whether they could cut the interest rate again, go to zero, and then maybe even and, go into negative, and then potentially go negative. And that seemed to be off the table as well. That they and were unlikely to reverse course. It doesn't seem necessary yet, and you know f- the reason that everybody's paying so much attention to this is that. You know, we've seen treasuries and equities have a bunch of, um, you know, it, the stock market and the bond market seems to have uh, been adversely impacted by the Fed's rate hike. If, if among other things, the timing is interesting enough that you got to lump it in there too. Fixed on some, um, let's see here. The, Anyway, Fed chair basically just seemed like things weren't terrible yet. Since the rate hike, we've had a jobs report that was a little bit interesting. Um, it was interesting only because a lot of minimum wage jobs were gotten. Um, but at the same time, the unemployment rate came down a little bit. And so there's been a fair amount of mixed data, this dollar strong. And the one thing I did think was really interesting though, is they said that they were surprised. Janet Yellen said they were surprised by the drop in energy prices and the strength of this dollar. So they're a little bit caught off guard by it too, hoping to create some inflation, raising rates, and then having this oil thing basically kind of keep the spin cycle on and things just aren't working quite the way they hoped but at no point during any of those interviews did i ever feel like they were wanting to yank the ripcord yeah it seemed like okay we're doing okay we're just going to keep watching it doesn't feel as growth oriented maybe as it did a couple months ago but we're just going to keep on watching keep on going yeah, and as surprising as the turmoil in the stock market's been, and as, as some of the market reactions in general to the rate hike, this liftoff has kind of gotten off to a rough start. 
they the the message was still that this is a positive thing that the economy is still in a, in the spot where they want it so much so that the Janet Yellen even predicted that the first quarter um, GDP would actually see some growth, which would be a change from the past two years where we've seen zero growth or negative growth in the first quarter. So the expectations still seem pretty optimistic, and based on that, they have no intention to reverse course. They'll continue to raise interest rates, which, what will that do for the mortgage rate market? So far, we've seen about a half a percent decline <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> since the initial rate hike. Could it go lower? We saw the 10-year note close this week somewhere in the 1.6 neighborhood. It did. You know, I think Friday it finished up a little bit higher than where it spent the week. Um, yeah. 1.75 yesterday. Okay. But it was, it one, was down in the 1.64 yeah. was the close on Thursday. The 52-week high on this thing, it was like 2.4-something. And really, I mean, honestly, ever since the Fed's cut rates, this thing's been just peeling off and going down. And we love it because there's the this is the one thing that interest rates seem to follow pretty well. When that 10-year bond goes down, interest rates go down with it. So Friday, there was a little bit of recovery. Friday... Um, the Dow, NASDAQ, S&P all finished up, um, and the 10-year bond yield went up by 10 basis points. But touching down to that 164 is interesting because I th it was a couple weeks ago that we met with one of our big investors that we sell a lot of mortgages to, and they were sharing some of their trader analysis and predictions with us that... They said that if that 10-year note dropped below 2%, that it would fall into a new range that was about 1.6 to 1.9%, which we kind of saw it touch down into that 1.6s and then come back up. So it kind of defined that range for us there, Yeah, that maybe 1.6s is, is the low end. And so what that means for, for folks who might be interested in a transaction is that we're kind of reaching the low end of the range. If you see the 10-year bond drop below 1.6, then we might enter a new range where it could fall further. Right. But for the time being, the way things stand now, it's a good time to act. And just, um, the Dan, you sent around the, the pipeline report to the ops staff this week, and um, there was a surprising... I don't. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by it, but there was a lot of refinance activity on there. Yes, lot a, a lot of the business and guys. This is historically for the last couple of years with rates doing what they've been doing. We've been um, what would you say eighty percent of our business is purchase and twenty percent refi. Not quite as dramatic. It's more. It's shifted more to the sixty forty to purchase 7030 to purchase and and so it's it's just trending in this direction more where you know it it looks like we're heading back towards 5050 of refis right now and um, refis we've been digging through trying to see who we could proactively contact to help um, and I, I mean, I have my spreadsheet up of, of loans that I've done in the last couple of years here. And this is just a spreadsheet of people that have interest rates that are um, higher than what we have today and then also have uh, mortgage insurance. So these people could potentially refinance into uh, a lower mortgage insurance or 
uh, and keep or get a lower interest rate or ideally they would have enough equity at this point that they could get out of their mortgage insurance with the same interest rate or less um, that's that's been kind of the goal in figuring it out and it's surprising to me how many people are um, could stand to benefit from it and I had another interesting one this week where um, a borrower with a high loan amount, okay, this is a $550,000 loan, only saving a quarter of a point in interest and finding it worthwhile to do a refi. And um, I bring this up because, of course, the old saying that, you know, well, you should only refinance if you can save a whole point in interest. And that's... That was really good advice um, 40 years ago, I'd say 30 years ago, maybe when, when people had 40, 60, $80,000 houses. It takes a bigger savings and in interest, a, a, a whole percent maybe, to make up the monthly, the savings, right? It's got a, that's where it's at. When you have, because you're going to end up with costs, a couple thousand bucks probably for escrow, title, appraisal, underwriting. So if you spend 2,000 bucks and you can only save five bucks a month, that's not a, a reason to do a refi like that. But with today's bigger loan amounts, a quarter of a percent might save you a hundred bucks a month. And then if the transaction ends up costing you a couple thousand bucks, well, you can make up for that in 20 months. So if you're going to have this loan for 300 plus months, it may be worth it for you to do a refinance where you only save, you know, 100 bucks a month or something like that. Of course you nobody wants to refi too soon, right? <laughs> what if these rates keep going? So you you're the guy that comes in and refis when it's in the high 3s after and you're happy to get out of your 4 and 3/8s or 4 and a half, whatever you might have, but you refi into the high 3s only to find that a year later there's been you know further improvements in the market and you could get a three and a half or a three and a quarter or something so it's interesting um, but again the focus that we always want to drive people back to in terms of whether or not you refinance is what are you gaining versus the cost of the transaction you know what is the monthly savings what is the cost that tells us how many months it takes to break even when you're talking about things like mortgage insurance that can be three or four hundred dollars a month if you can refinance into a mortgage insurance that's only 200 bucks a month but have the same interest rate that's a win <laughs> so it's important to evaluate those options what can you what does it cost what can you save and can you reduce or eliminate your mortgage insurance those are the cool things um, that we're able to do right now with this rate environment that is at a couple year low it seems we're gonna go ahead and take a commercial break here it'll be uh, oh man it's already 930 and I am one I want to tell you I'm yes. thrilled when we come back from this break I cannot wait to hear what kind of Valentine's Day theme music you're gonna lay on me so I'm not gonna not even to say it right now if I could say don't it say out. it yeah. I just I just want to hear just, it all right so we're gonna take a commercial break guys stick around after this break for more mortgage matters don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk 920 to ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832.
We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Home Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328358. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. Back to the show. Love is in the air. Every sight and every sound. And I don't know if I'm being foolish. Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must believe in And it's there when I look in your eyes Alright guys, welcome back in the whisper of the So you're just gonna say you just gonna say anything that's about love is Valentine's Day? I was thinking like a Valentine's Day you know I guess, I don't know What's those, uh, yeah, where you get like a little card and a sucker? I thought you had a song about that. Um, at my kids, I'm not so sure if there's something specific about that. At my kids' school, they don't do Valentine's Day anymore. Did yeah, you know that? Yeah, that's kind of sad. Why? Um, I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> I understand um, yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're... If you don't celebrate Christmas or if your holiday is something else, right? Like Hanukkah or whatever. If the school is just only calling it Christmas, fine. Whatever. Call it the holiday party or whatever. Yeah. But Valentine's Day, I don't yet understand. Yeah. Because they've they've redubbed it Friendship Day. (laughs) And... um, Gosh. Really? Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe uh, it's just in the vein of we just got to rename everything to let people know we're trying. Yeah, uh, I don't. I think it's kind of sad, actually. 
Halloween's turned into like fall harvest festival and yeah that's crazy can they still dress up for halloween at your kids school yeah as long as it's not anything hmm. like violent gory or evil well that i can kind of understand but i don't know i think it's sad we have to be pc about everything check this out dan yes I read this week that the uh, latest reports and latest data from the IRS have redefined um, the top 10% of Americans. Oh, income earners? Yeah, and the what top 1%. What do we got? What are the digis? Let's take a crack. I want. <laughs> let's play the guessing game. Okay. What threshold do you think the bar you'd have to cross to be the top 10% of income earning Americans? 10% of income? Top 10%. Um... 70,000. This is household income, right? $70,000 per year. No. Higher or lower? Jim, do you want to take a guess? Do you, are you do you know what we're guessing at? Um, I'm not quite sure. I was looking for the, the next top song. Yeah, I saw you looking at the computer. <laughs> I just wanted to let you in on the fun if you wanted okay. to get in on the fun. Sure, can you repeat the question? The top 10% of income earners in the U.S. Okay. So you took the... Household income. 10% of the people, it's the most money they make. All right. What do you think the number is that lands you in that 10% bucket? Hmm. Dan guessed 70,000. I'm going to go kind of along with Dan, like 75, 80. It's $128,000. Oh, wow. wow. It's a lot higher. I'm so impressed that you guys both picked low, and I'm not convinced that you didn't pick low because of him. No, I just kind of was in that same mind frame. I was going to, yeah. Interesting, because yeah. I, when I read that number, I kind of thought, man, we're so um, kind of spoiled and rich here in, this, like, in California, in this county. Um, I mean, one hundred and twenty-eight thousand yeah. dollars for income is—I mean, that's that's a pretty good income, right? Let's not snivel about that. We got a lot of good-paying jobs, but I just would have thought that ten percent of people—the top ten percent of people—made more than that. Dan, the line now for the top one percent. Top one percent. Let's say um, four hundred and ten thousand dollars per year. Check you out. Wow. Do you have a guess? Top 1% of all 1%. people in the U.S. Uh, I'm going to go like a little bit lower, 375. You guys are pretty close. What did you say, Dan? 410. 410. Yeah. It's actually 429. Wow. wow. You're very so close. close. Hmm. I thought that was surprising too. But did we get like a little bit like uh, a little bit off here because like San Luis has a lot of good paying jobs. Santa Maria actually does too in the ag, ag industry. Santa Barbara, if you want to incorporate Santa Barbara. And of course, then you got Montecito where Oprah lives. So in this area, do you think maybe? No, that's what I mean. Around here, yeah. if any of us are feeling a little bit numb to either of those numbers, it's because yeah. you live here. Yeah. And there's some people around that make a lot of money. This yeah. is a national number. Yeah. And so when you, and yeah. I guess it makes a lot more sense when you go run out, yeah. uh, what state should we pick on? I want to pick on a state where it's like funny that someone would yeah. make $430,000 a year. Which one? 
Kentucky? Are you asking me? A, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nebraska? Yeah. Where do where do people... I wonder what the... Uh, it'd be interesting to kind of look at the average incomes across the U.S. But anyway, if you're going to... I could probably If you're going to be it. in any state... Let's do it the other way. If you're going to be any okay. state in the U.S. You, you got me a challenge here. I'm going to Google like average income in Kentucky. <laughs> do you want to do that? Well, I'm just saying, if you had $128,000 a year was your pay, mm -hmm. and you could live in any state in this great nation, you're not going to get a lot of bang for your buck here in California. No. There are some better places to take that salary if you want to uh, you know, thrive. you got to trade your weather usually. but mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was... Uh, Remarkably close, Dan. I'm impressed. Okay, Kentucky. Cool. You must be studying up on your income demographics. Totally. Do you want to? Do you want to like? Um, okay, 2014. Now that we got people listening, Kentucky, forty one thousand one hundred forty one dollars, average. What's well, California? Uh, okay, so the latest again for. Uh, I bet it's not very different than that. Probably not. Okay, California for 2014. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's higher, but how much? By quite a bit, actually. By t it's uh, sixty one thousand. Oh, that is quite a bit higher. Yeah. That's the average income per person in California. Yeah, in twenty fourteen. Sixty two grand a year, Dan. Yeah. Does that sound high? No. That's a lot of money. In fact, it means if you had two people earning the average income, you're basically in the top 10%. What I find is interesting. <laughs> That's pretty cool. One of our territories, Guam. Go California. One of our territories, Guam, in 2014, $38,973. But it's got to be expensive to live out there. I don't know. I don't know well, about Guam. I don't know about it either, but, but it just seems like it would be expensive. And then you're not making much money. Yeah. Have you been um, tracking much on the uh, the federal debates? I'm sorry, the presidential debates. Me? Yes. This talk recently, and they did this with Janet a little bit. Janet Yellen a little bit more. I'm just going to call her Janet. It's like J Lo, Janet Yellen. She probably um, appreciates that. Maybe so. It's like <laughs> hip and and young. Um, the Financial Stability Board, huh? Have you checked this out? Mm -mm. So there's been talk recently again about um, too big to fail, right? Like I saw some of the Bernie Sanders stuff where he is saying if any bank is too big to fail, it should it'd be wiped out essentially. But it's an interesting thing. Um, President Obama also had a mission of trying to prevent banks from being too big to fail. But this part of Dodd-Frank that creates Basel, which is this um, reserves part of what these big banks have to have, um, they did another um, another round of evaluating the banks here. And the, um, they call them the FSB regulators, which is the Financial Stability Board. They said that the largest banks still need to raise $1.19 trillion by 2022 in debt instruments, furthering this um, collection of assets to be able to ride out another big financial storm. And the, the fact that it needs to be debt instruments to fundraise is kind of interesting. Um, 
it it talks when you look at that it, it suggests that you know things the rate of borrowing you know credit cost is likely to go up but kind of interesting that we're still looking towards having these banks grow bigger assets while it seems most people want to see the banks not have such money and such control not be too big to fail essentially well yeah we went through this round of of banks having so much power and so much financial clout that we've discovered that that one bank's collapse could collapse the entire system it was a systemic problem and so too big to fail was born and then through all this financial reform through this housing recovery we've seen the four or five largest banks now become bigger acquiring other struggling or failing banks and now their assets have grown considerably in the last cycle of bank consolidation and so now we have bigger banks sp spawned from an era where banks were deemed too big and capable of collapsing the whole system somebody so, stop this what's ride. the problem so there's talk of you know breaking up the investment bank versus the depository institution or side of the institution that you know we need to go back to that which you know glass steagall is what you hear talked about a lot re-implement glass steagall and so yeah it's kind of interesting and when you look and see that some of these banks though the very banks you want to wipe out or change the structure of jp morgan chase bank of america citigroup goldman sachs morgan stanley um these guys are big players in the u.s economy and their name pops up amongst you know presidential candidates and who's friendly right. the banks yeah you look at a list like, of donors to political campaigns yeah, and the banks are all in they there got money in there hey when it comes time to solve a problem like a housing collapse just remember let's just call up our friend uh, jamie Dimon over at jp morgan and have him come consult and we'll get you know, fine gold from Goldman Sachs to come consult. Make sure we get a good deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got all these guys heading those monster institutions that are giving all the advice to the people who make the political decisions. When I was reading here, I thought this was interesting because it's kind of one of the topic du jours about you know, with the presidential election about too big to fail. It seems to pop up regularly. Um, one of the reasons they cited in making these banks sock away more and more money um, is to cover losses in an economic downturn when banks' assets or equity is wiped out. And um, they want to, the regulators want to avoid the panic or potential panic that can be caused by the domino effect. So then it's like, well, if this bank fails and then that bank fails and then that bank fails, people start panicking. The domino effect scares them. And so then they do something hasty, right? Kind of like Black Friday all over again. And we saw this in 2008, right? Remember those stories about the people lining up at IndyMac Bank, like demanding their money? The yeah. feds were having to like come and uh, FDIC was having to like set up tables in there to go, hey, no, there's no money here. But it's not Black Friday. The money exists elsewhere. We're going to get it to you 
fill out this claim. But every day when the bank opened, there would be these crazy lines of people just trying to get their money. Um, that hysteria and panic is is part of why the Fed wants to have bigger banks with more money so that they're less likely to fail. But they want them, then by definition, they want the banks um, like failure proof to due to size, <laughs> you know, just, Hey, you need to, you need to survive a downturn, gobble up and hoard all of the money right now and keep doing so. And so all those deposits go get tied up in there. And, um, so who knows, but that's a lot of money and the path still to grow them yet. So there you go. That's kind of an interesting thing. We should do the final commercial break of the hour. It's that time. And uh, this will be just on edge waiting to see what kind of Valentine's music. We'll be Jimmy greeted by with, another love song. Another <laughs> song with the word love in the I'm, hook. I'm sure. Is that what's happening? Well, probably. You know, it right. kind of has to do with Valentine's Day. So I'm going to challenge you, though, to come up with a President's Day song before this show's over. Oh, my gosh. Because that's songs about presidents. I'm going to have to figure that one out. There's got to be some. Uh, probably, yeah. All right, we're going to do the commercial break. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. 
Oh, Dan. Dan was singing. For people don't know, Dan was singing this during the break. Oh, he was dancing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lie. Um, so, Bobby, Dan's that, all ready for Valentine's Day. That was a great song. <laughs> it didn't quite set the mood that I was looking for for the last nine minutes of this hour. Um, I had a... We gotta have a serious conversation here. Uh-oh. We need some somber, heartbreaking type of music. <laughs> that's not. That's not a fancy cares? You're just reckless over here, just gambling. It was just two weeks ago. He also went well past the thirty seconds. Americans are quitting their jobs like crazy. Like crazy. Like crazy. Hmm. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Did you also know, by the way, that um, when people quit their jobs, it's good for wage growth? Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You heard it here first. How is that good for wage growth? Last time I checked, when you quit your job, you stopped getting paid. People quit their job because there's safe opportunity to become gainfully employed at a competing establishment. Ah. And typically, when people are willing to quit, it's because they realize they're going to not only have a safe landing, they're not worried about that, um, am I going to be okay? They're quitting with confidence because they're going to another job where they're going to have more income and it's going to make a better life for them. Those numbers translate over into higher wages for the national stats. Uh. So here you go. When... The American worker gets the confidence to start quitting work. It's a good thing. And there's some little talk running around here that people are quitting jobs with confidence right now. Wow. Isn't, isn't there, Dan? Yeah. Well, I read that job openings were at an extremely high level. In fact, I think it was... 5.6 million job openings in December, just shy of the all-time record for job openings. That's how many are open. Did you also see that 3. million quits occurred in December? 3 million quits. 3 million quits, which is the highest level of quits in 10 years? What's a quit? Somebody that says, take this job and shove it. You got that song, Jim? I, I ain't working here no more. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what that's it is. Bad. And that that those two things, Dan, that's setting the stage, right? That's what we want, right? I've been shoving. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason. I was working. I guess it's kind of an anti-Valentine's Day song here. So, great song, by the way, right? Yeah. When you make this song your anthem, it means you're confident. Well, <laughs> I think when you want someone to shove the job, you you don't probably care as much where you're going as just the need to tell somebody to take the job and shove it. But when you quit your job, 
with a two-week notice and politely um, be it, it suggests that you're confident in the labor market and looking for better pay opportunities elsewhere um, and it's a good thing it's a leading indicator for wage inflation see I feel like you doubt me a little bit. No, I don't. I don't. The other interesting part of what I'm seeing here, with job openings being near an all-time record high currently, is another issue that's probably going to affect wage growth is that qualified workers are down. The number of qualified workers. So what we have here is a job skills gap. And that's going to lead employers to have to dangle more money out there to attract the fewer qualified workers that exist in the labor force. That's right. So that's good. So the JOLTS report, um, and I call it JOLTS. Help me with the the acronym. Job opening labor, labor turnover labor survey. Turnover. Yeah. JOLTS. By the way, this Jolts has been discussed more and given a little bit uh, more clout since Janet Yellen. She likes Jolts. She does like Jolts. Yep. And she said so coming in that she was going to talk about it quite a bit. So this Jolts report that came out um, recently just... If anything, it's a clean bill of health for the U.S. labor market. It means there's some leading indicators to look forward to increased wages, which would be great because it's been a long time since wages went up. And it sounds like the average American person here only needs about an 8% raise. Um, well, to make their two-person household count for a top 10 income percentile i think that stats really one person one person making more than 128 grand a year is top 10 i think it's household i think it's a person well, otherwise i mean jim just pulled up a stat that californians average income was $61,000 a year. So if you took a two-person household, that's $122,000 a year. So average Californians then would be top in the top 10 in the nation. By the way, Kentucky was like number 47. They're pretty right. low. Yeah. Oh, it was a good pick then. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just profiling. Yeah, it was Kentucky and then Alabama and then Nebraska, I want to say. I, think. I said sure. Nebraska too. I'm good at pointing out poor states. Or states sure to be feel good about that. states to be used as an example when yeah. looking for low average income things to back up another claim. I I don't know what the actual <laughs> bottom one was. You see the look of how that's Dan's. I'm impressed with you. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it periodically. I really impress him. <laughs> I have a knack for it. I would just, I would just say it's so it's fun. Uh, but seriously, though, these things are leading indicators to higher wage growth. And that's really one of the next things that has to happen. We sort of girded up real estate in the economy. Real estate's okay. It's maybe even a little hot because the lack of supply, but it's okay. It doesn't seem like it's going down anytime soon. The stock market's pretty wild lately right i mean you got to be each day you kind of got to be going hey look at that it's only down 200 today or 300 today at least since the first of the year it feels that way when you see those days where it's flat or green it's 
like wow that's impressive it, most sessions have been in the red since the the beginning of the year um so it'd be nice to see that stabilize a little bit these lower energy prices they're good producer price index keeps declining consumer price index is basically flat let's make some more money i mean that's really one of the next big things that needs to happen is that we need the average wages for a u.s worker to go up and this this report suggests that with the most quits um in a decade and the most openings in how long did you say second best reading in as long in as this ever. reading has been around yeah so it's it's setting the stage really for some the environment growth. is right you know we're we're ready Which for some wage growth be great to have some wage <laughs> growth um all right it's just about the top of the hour break here so this is your opportunity to get a pencil and pad out write down your questions think about topics things you just have been burning to hear discussed on mortgage matters when we get back from the break you can call in and ask those questions we'll be back in a few minutes here with another hour of mortgage matters stick around You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Whoa! Did you guys see the Steven Tyler was in the uh, Super Bowl commercial, right? That's who that was. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I'm this not one, tripping. This one fits. He's talking about work. He was either loving an elevator. Valentine's Day. I don't know. It was either Steven Tyler or Chris. Um, what's uh, Keith Richards? Uh, I'm absolutely. Sometimes good. I think they look similar. Oh, it's like a Super Bowl commercial where there was like a, a nacho Dorito thing on the wall and he like made it scream or something. Let me see if I can find I remember. it. There were some good Doritos commercials. The one with the, they were doing the ultrasound and the baby's trying to grab the Dorito. Hmm. I didn't see that one. <laughs> There's some pretty funny ones. You know what happened to us during the Super Bowl this year? Hmm. I had it on the TV and then we paused it when we like we had like a sit down like meal type of thing rather you know some stuff off the barbecue and we just decided to pause the game and when we came back in i pushed play and we were in the third quarter somewhere and my niece ran down to the receiver and flipped the channel oh no so it wasn't being recorded it was just paused so screwed it up for everybody it was gone yeah it was gone and you know you can only get so upset is this one you're talking about i think so Steve, that's uh steven the tyler skittles that's what it was it wasn't nachos it was skittles there it is and wow. the skittles things yeah yeah see that's crazy hmm. i was thinking it wasn't a very good commercial because all i remembered was um him I didn't even remember what he was trying to sell. Well, they have his face going in Skittles there, too, on like a Skittles thing. Huh. Yeah, you got to hear the audio to the commercial. I guess that's what's good about it. Unfortunately. As somebody, my first left, that likes Aerosmith. Mm -hmm. Interesting. 
Hmm. Big Aerosmith guy. I love Aerosmith. Yeah, I've seen him. Uh, I've seen him twice actually, a couple times. Here at the fair. Excellent. Yeah, All right, Dan. Mm-hmm. We've been just waiting and waiting here to hop in feet first to your this proud baby of yours. Oh. Over here on Central Coast Lending. What was that? Well, I forgot to turn off the audio for the song. So you went 30 <laughs> seconds past again? You're getting uh, reckless with that those. Was just, that was just, there we go. Now I, now I can put the pot back up. Okay. Now that I turned the music off on the board. Perfect. There it is. So, yes, good segue to the next topic, which we're going to focus on is real estate. In the county. Before you do that, though, <laughs> I just want to say I came to centralcoastlending.com. Yes. And I come here periodically. Um, 21-day processing. Yeah. Dan, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I'm trying to make it sound like it's not real. Are you kidding me with <laughs> posting this? Um, No. No. I think that it's... a. Uh, it's just a testament to our process that we can close and it's designed for purchase loans so that you can make an aggressive offer mm-hmm. on a home will help get you underwritten and qualified maybe even before you found a property and that yeah. will greatly assist in getting the process closed. That's what I was going to say quick. about it is that in this market when there's just not a lot of stuff for sale and you got to go out and you got to compete with cash offers often people that are all cash and so they'll write not only is it a cash offer and usually they're asking for a little bit of a discount because they're all cash um but they also offer a shorter timeline and oftentimes to a seller that's really important to have a a kind of clean compact escrow period where everybody's gonna stay focused and work feverishly to close this escrow right a, a 14 or 21 day escrow that that's that's swift when you do a 45 or a 60 day escrow that's sort of like enough time where people can kind of get lost in the weeds in the middle of that thing um but so what we're doing is for borrowers and um this works for all borrowers it can be a great borrower with great equity or sorry great assets great credit great income no concerns whatsoever but we just want to get an underwriting approval that vets every potential issue and documents the file perfectly as needed for everything about the borrower leaving only the questions that now need to be um, answered, solved, and documented are the things relating to the property. So it can give a buyer an opportunity to come in and make a short-term offer uh, based on a full approval. So this is, if there's pre-qualification, pre-approval, and then approval, this is a person that's got approval. And now we just need to get an appraisal, purchase contract, um, the insurance for the actual house, and and just look at those isolated property issues. And that person then can write a shorter offer, more competitive, and compete then with cash offers and shorter escrow periods. Um, And when you do all of that, because you do some of it ahead of escrow, it makes it possible to do a 21-day close. So 
We do have that, and it's on the website there if you guys want to go look at it and read about it. We have a caller waiting patiently on the line. We've got Marilyn from San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Marilyn. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. I don't understand about eminent domain. So can you talk a little bit about that? I can talk a little bit about it. It's um, been a few years um, since I was in that. So I was a I was a city and regional planner major at Cal Poly, and I actually worked in Caltrans and for the city of Atascadero for a little while. And eminent domain is it essentially often, it's when the government yeah, goes to a private property owner and says, "Hey, we need." some or all of a portion of your land like my dad or a public use yeah my dad and uncle own a property in modesto and it's on the corner of two busier streets in i guess the downtown area of modesto and they were approached at one point you know several years ago by the city saying we want to carve into the corner of your lot to create a turn lane and do something like that that didn't exist already because traffic was becoming an issue and they thought you know getting cars over into a turn lane would help alleviate some congestion so they were approached about that and then they're you know so the government shoulder taps that person and then you begin this negotiation which they're looking for a pretty good deal i believe on the value of the land yeah um there was projects that i worked on with caltrans with eminent domain where yeah, it's just that. Something that it's sort of, we're not supposed to say taking, but it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, uh, feels you, a lot like taking. You don't really have a choice in terms of whether or not you're going to do it. It's just a function of, you know, the number that you're going to agree to do it at, right? But so, for example, when you need to widen a freeway, um, we had a project at Caltrans where we needed to widen a freeway and what we discovered was that there was an existing mobile home park that came all the way up and abutted the freeway easement. In fact, once we learned by getting in there with the engineers that this mobile home park that had existed for years had actually encroached and placed homes inside the existing freeway easement. So it was something where you had to get them out of the easement and then actually move over and take a little bit of the property to be able to accommodate the widening. And that's something where eminent domain is used, where the the people, the property owner, the individual property owner don't necessarily want to sell their property, but that it needs to be acquired by the government for some purpose of public and it is for compensation but usually it's not people don't use you're supposed to be getting fair market value for it but i don't think people generally feel like they got thank god the government knocked on my door this morning and they're ready yeah. to overpay for this piece yeah, of my that's dirt. not how that that's goes not down. typically the sentiment so what they're doing now they're making roundabouts a lot of places uh-huh yeah we have one of those in more so, bay yeah so if they wanted to change a, uh intersection from a four-way stop to a roundabout, they can declare eminent domain for all those properties involved? Yep. Maybe, maybe they need to claim a few corners to help the roundabout work. 
Yeah. And I I mean I doubt it's I doubt it's one where, you know, and it's going to be on a case by case and typically when you're doing transportation planning if there's an opportunity to place a roundabout, what you're trying to do is minimize the impact, congestion, cost. You're trying, you know, because a roundabout doesn't have stoplights and it doesn't need maintenance and it doesn't, it's something that once you get through the initial cost of it, it's a little bit more affordable and it's usually easier on congestion once you're in a place where people know how to use them. Yeah, well. that's half the battle. How's it in Morro Bay? Have people figured this out yet? Yeah, it depends on if they're new to town or not. Right. Um, <laughs> And they're actually, there's an intersection in Tascadero where they're going to try to put in several roundabouts in a row. But yeah, if it was deemed that you had, this should be a roundabout and this was the best thing to do and you had to take something from people, then they would. And usually not take, I'm sorry, buy at fair compensation your land in a mandatory sale. Not take. We're not supposed to say take. That's It sounds bad um but yeah that happens and oftentimes though i think in in a lot of the communities there are easements already though where the existing intersection takes up enough real estate with its easement that it can accommodate a roundabout i took last time i went down south i took 154 and i stopped taking that cursed road because i got a speeding ticket there two times <laughs> But this last time, I said, all right, you know what? I don't speed anymore as I'm older and wiser now, and I got my kids mm -hmm. in the car and everything. So I took the road. They put a big roundabout in on 154. Did you see that? Yeah, it's down there where you turn off to go to Solvang. Yeah. Right. Off of the one. And so actually, they're coming I, everywhere. It's just like the East Coast But that one's now. nice, and as long as you know how to use them, actually... That one's actually a pretty good Well, one. I have a big truck, so I just go real fast and straight. Yeah. Right over oh. the little roll curve. What gets me on that road is the stop signs that kind of pop out of nowhere. Right. It's what gets road. me is that highway <laughs> patrol that's hiding yeah. in a bush. That's the guy that gets me. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the clarification. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the call, Marilyn. Okay, bye. Eminent Domain's been talked about a lot lately. Um, it was discussed... Oh, what... In, remember in the housing crisis we were having talk about eminent domain seizing these like undervalued properties to ease inventory levels or something that seemed weird to me i feel like i can get behind in uh, eminent domain just as much as don't try to do market manipulation with somebody's property if you need it for like a driveway to a hospital or something like that uh I don't love that, but I guess we could get behind that. It's something that, um, and I don't think it's very popular. I don't think anybody really loves that. The government just came, like, basically and said, you will sell this to us, and we're happy to offer you this amount of money, and you better love that. Yeah, it's like off of the 10-year-old tax roll or something. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks that's a great idea, but it's necessary at times. Um, man, look at that. I want to do a break. You started by, we made a baby step, Dan. We made a we baby did. step here. We made it to the website. I distracted us as usual to discuss this, uh, 21 day close program that CCL offers. And now we'll do a break. When we get back, what are you going to tell us about? <laughs> we are going to talk about some real estate reports, some, uh, 
value updates oh, for the well, various all, cities. All the real estate is local, so you're right. going to talk local, right? We'll talk local stuff. Okay. Yeah. After these messages. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. That's a great song. That's the Doors. Is it the Beatles? Oh my gosh! Just kidding. Some other band you might have heard of. Did I tell you guys? I probably did. But last time I went with the wifey out to Las Vegas, we went and saw the Beatles Love Show. Yeah. Have you seen this? I've heard it's really good. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. It's really good, actually. Mm. Um, those shows, I think, are so impressive, just in and of themselves. But the Beatles one was cool. Well, I think Paul McCartney has a little, like, he has his fingers on that still pretty. I think you have to pretty much be really good to be able to do it. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. Mm -hmm. All right, sir. We've left you with, oh. Oh, yeah, tons of time. This much time. More, more than 30 <coughs> minutes. More than 30 minutes here to make your case. <laughs> For why real estate is so great here. Homes for Heroes, tax deductibility. Yeah, there's lots of information on our website. 
Mortgage rates. If you go to centralcoastlending.com, you can find program information. You can provide. You you can find um, a little tutorial on how the the home buying process works. So if you're a first time home buyer and you know you've heard about how the process goes, we've got some articles that take you step by step through the process so that you'll understand each step and. And the decisions you're going to have to make during each part of the process. The calculators are cool. And we got a lot of feedback on the calculators. There's a calculator in here that's an extra payment calculator. Oh, like what happens if you pay down additional principal each month? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool because sometimes your mortgage payment, like what's your more if your mortgage payment's like say your mortgage payment is twenty five ten. So you just pay twenty six hundred. Extra ninety bucks a month. What would that do? It can shave off a lot of interest costs. Put a it lot in the mortgage calculator, and all of a sudden you can see that the term of the loan dramatically reduces. There's an interest savings that's pretty impressive. It might just compel you to send in a couple extra round bucks up. a month. Yeah. So that's a really <clears throat> interesting one. If you want to check that out, there's a, there's a host of calculators. Bigger picture is there's a lot of stuff on the website here worth looking at. Yeah. You can even apply for a loan online. It's pretty simple. Um, one of the other features of our website, centralcoastlending.com, is the blog portion, where we try to post new content every day. Um, quarterly, what we'll do is we will compile statistics about housing and values and price per square foot and units sold, and we'll put it all into our real estate reports. And so in the last couple of weeks, we posted our fourth quarter update. So what this is looking at is um, quarter over quarter, month over month, year over year figures for San Luis Obispo County for 2015. Um, you know, it's December data is the most recent data we have. So what we found was... For those listening at home, we're going to be looking at the fourth quarter real estate update. Is that what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, it's the fourth quarter real estate update. What we have, too, we have, the, we have reports about the entire county. Then we have the county broken up into five different regions. We've got the city of San Luis Obispo as one region. We've got South County as a region. We've got five cities. So our South County is south of the five cities. It, it actually is the southernmost part of San Luis Obispo County as well as northern Santa Barbara County is what we put into our South County report. Five cities is its own area. And then we have the North Coast or the Scenic Coast. And then we have North County. So those are our different areas. Um, when I got, you, yeah, I go got ahead. a question for you, Dan, if you don't mind. <clears throat> sure. How does Napomo kind of fall into it? Napomo kind of, would fall into our South County report. Okay. Because it wouldn't be like, like kind of grouped in with Santa Maria somehow? Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Okay. Our South County report is Northern Santa Barbara County. Mm-hmm. Like, and Napomo, Orchid, Santa Maria, San Inez, and Salt. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, that part you would consider, like, mm-hmm. South County, not necessarily calling it Santa Barbara County. Right. Okay. I, okay. I've, yeah. It Doesn't it feel to you all like Santa Maria's more a part of San you Luis Obispo County than I'll, Santa Maria? I would take I think them. they feel that way, too. Somewhat. Yeah. I, I would like, take them. They, they definitely. They're, they're Although, there. you know what? They got some crime. Yeah. I said that too fast. They got some crime down there. <laughs> Just a few. Things, yeah. There's crime everywhere. Yeah, but I yeah. no, and there has been a struggle of are, are they 
do they belong as part of Santa Barbara County? And is Santa Barbara County taking care of them as well as they would? Yeah. Well, just think about a couple of years ago when they're doing that whole Mission County thing. Remember, they were trying to split off and it was going to be called Mission County. And sure. everything, I think, Buellton and above was going to be part of Mission County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I remember so. hearing about that. Yeah. So. What we found is that the median home price for the county for San Luis Obispo County is $525,000. It's a pretty healthy number there for the median home in the county. Um, A lot of the areas of the North County, um, Atascadero, Paso Robles, Santa Margarita, those areas all fall below the county median home price. So those are the more affordable areas in our county. We also see a couple beach cities, Grover Beach and Los Osos, a part of that more affordable area oceano also fits in there and then our friends to the south santa maria orchid area is the most affordable area that we track in our region let's call it we won't just call it county it's the region santa maria and orchid uh comes in at three hundred and forty thousand dollars for the median home so that's a nice place to live for a more affordable home and then uh you get into the more expensive cities santa inez which is another area we track. It's technically in Santa Barbara County, but we look at it because it's part of our Central Coast area. Um, $1.2 million, the most expensive city in our region. I obviously haven't spent enough time down there as I didn't realize that. I, I do. I watch the daily listings in our MLS every day. I mean, I rarely miss a day. Um, and I see that the houses pop on in San Inez, Buellton, and Lompoc, where I'm like, man, you guys got some nice houses down there. Yeah, I think so you get some larger estates. But the San Inez ones are impressive. On one of the things, and I'm sure you're working us in this direction, but the price per square foot of those areas was listed. Yes. And there's a crazy outlier. Mm-hmm. There is a place in our county where homes are uh, more than $8,500 a square foot. There's an aberration. We're going to have to talk about that. But uh, (laughs) interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. And and some of the other more expensive cities in the county, we have Avila Beach and Cayucas. Mm -hmm. Now, we've known that those areas are some of the more expensive in the county. They also suffer some wild swings in their median home price readings because of the num- the few, limited yeah, volume very little number of transactions in those cities um, um, but some of the you know more active cities Pismo Beach is in fourth place at a median home price of seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars it's crazy San Luis Obispo a little north of six hundred and seventy Arroyo Grande six sixty six Morro Bay Cambria both in the high five hundred thousands. So um, you might, I mean, nothing to kind of interrupt you down, but no, go for it. when you think about it, Lompoc um, has a lot of potential and Lompoc could have like um, a lot of good jobs from like, well, they have the penitentiary. They've got um, air force base, they've got the air force base. They do have a lot of agriculture that can be good. Yeah. Um, and so, and then they have some people that, they don't want to live in Santa Barbara, but they work in Santa Barbara. Sure. And so I had a friend you know. um, right after college that commuted to mm-hmm. his job in yeah. Solvang from mm-hmm. Cambria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a that's, daily commute. That's, yeah, that's wild. That's, that's wild. a hug. <clears throat> but couldn't you can't like live in mm-hmm. Santa Barbara when you have a normal yeah. job? 
Right. I mean, I guess you can, but it's very expensive. Right. You'd so, rather wear out cars, I guess. So Lompoc can take advantage of that. <laughs> we there also are some nice areas in Lompoc. We we saw from this report that our days on market for the county are very very low. They right around two months is the normal, the median days on market. It actually sits at seventy three days, just a little over two months of marketing time. Uh, to sell the median home. But what's interesting is you look at all the more affordable areas from the region, Santa Maria, Oceano, Grover Beach, Los Osos, Atascadero, all those areas are the fastest moving markets within our county. All right around 50 days. Yeah, so it just kind of represents the need and demand for affordable homes um, in our region. Those are the markets that move the fastest. They're the most competitive. When something comes on and it's priced right, it goes quickly. Um, you know, it seems that, a f- you know, right around that 400000 or less is, is a market that's in hot demand and you're going to have quick marketing times, um, as, as we've seen from these reports. Now, I'm just reading from the report that's a city by city comparison, but we start to get into analysis of each individual region and really show you within that region how the different cities are performing. And it's really interesting. I encourage you to go to the centralcoastlending.com website and check out the blog. Scroll down, there. there's a bunch of different articles. Check out your region. It's really some fascinating information. You can see how each city's trending, um, price per square foot. And really when you're going, and I think, I think it's important to um, make sure that you're <coughs> aware of how your city's performing because, <coughs> excuse me, um, you may be interested in refinancing your home now that rates are falling. They've been falling for the last three, four, five, six weeks now. Um, We've seen rates decline about a half a percent in the last month. And even if you just recently purchased your home, a half a percent on the kind of loan amounts that we see regularly in this area. I mean, our average loan amount for our company is approaching $350,000. Saving a half a percent on that amounts to several hundred dollars a month. And you know, you might wonder how your appraisal is going to come in. What I find most often in appraisals is that the price per square foot for the area is generally where it's you'll pretty see... heavily weighted. Yeah, you're going to see your appraisal come in on, at that. So like yeah. for Atascadero, the <clears throat> median price per square foot is $270. Chances are if you have a well-maintained typical home it's not brand new and it's not you know the the eyesore of the neighborhood it's just your average home you're probably going to see an appraisal come in at about 270 bucks a square foot yeah if you're in morro bay it's a little bit higher you might see something come in at about 350 dollars a square foot um so that's that's something to keep in mind as you're contemplating whether or not refinancing in this lower rate environment is right for you, making sure that your appraisal is going to come in where you think. Um, One thing that I think is important for people who recently bought their home to know is that when you get an appraisal, we can't factor in any of that market appreciation into your value until you've owned that home for at least six months. This comes up from time to time. Like I'm working on a transaction right now that's a for sale by owner. And there's a relationship between the two parties, okay? So it's a non-arms link <clears throat> transaction. And the buyer is actually buying some equity. The house is being transacted for less than its market value. 
So the buyer is going to have mortgage insurance and buy this home um, with a high loan to value because loan to value, sometimes people don't uh, realize this, but loan to value, that's a term we use that describes, you know, simply your loan amount compared to the value of the property. Okay. So a $500,000 house with a $400,000 loan, that's going to be an 80% loan to value. That's kind of the, the speak we use. Um, loan to value is always based on the lesser of the sales price or the appraised value in a purchase transaction. And in a refi, you'll be basing it on the lower of the sales price or current value, unless you've owned it for six months, then you'll be using the current value. So in this situation where sometimes you just get a good buy, right? Like you, you found a house that's like, for whatever reason, short sale maybe, foreclosure, REO, house that maybe it's a cash buy because it needs a roof and some new siding and the seller couldn't afford to do it. So for whatever reason, you buy something and then shortly thereafter, you've got instant equity in it. Uh, you really need to wait six months to be able to refinance that and get the benefit of its current market value. Um, but going back to my for sale by owner transaction, this is a deal where six months down the road, this couple's going to be able to refinance this house at market value and they'll have 20% equity and their mortgage insurance will stop then. So it's a, it's just kind of an interesting thing to remember uh, that seasoning part of when you buy it and what you buy it for and what you could refinance it for. Yeah. So we have a lot of great information here. The real estate reports I always find exciting. I'm, I'm always interested, interested to see how the different areas are trending price wise. I know most homeowners are always watching, you know, the neighborhood and the neighbors and how homes are being listed and sold and stuff like that. So this is a, a cool little report. I, re I really enjoy these quarterly updates and, and it's available now on our website. Are you wanting to move on from this topic? I Yeah, I mean, it's kind of not that exciting to rattle off statistics. Is no, there anything catching your eye? I Explain to me the anomaly that is the $8,000 per foot. Was that Santa Inez? Yeah. Um, so I think that's in the um, report that's specific to that. We call it South County, but really it's Northern Santa Barbara County and South County. Uh-huh. Uh, um, like Napomo South, basically, into Northern Santa Barbara. And so, yeah, what we have is... In, in some of these markets, oh, it's actually Solvang. In Solvang, we had a price per square foot in Solvang of $8,145. So somebody sold a 100-square-foot house for like eight hundred grand or something? How does this work? Yeah, so what happens is there's, there's some really large estate property that's sold with a small home, you know, a modest home, but it sells for millions of dollars. It's probably a property with a lot of acreage, you know, and really the value is the land, not just the home. But because we look at the size home versus the sales price, it gets factored in. And with there being so few sales in Solvang, it really can impact, or was it Buellton? No, it's Solvang. Sorry. It can really impact a, a report like this. That's pretty funny. <clears throat> Because I'm trying to see where we're, the total number of sales in Solvang is probably pretty low. I don't know. 
pretty interesting stuff. If it interests you at all to look at the different parts of the the um, city or county, look at the part where you live or where you're considering investing. Um, these are cool tools to have to kind of give you that idea. Um, and it is ultimately um, not very surprising that most appraisals are very close to that price per square foot. Yep. And then they attempt to use recent comparable solds to make adjustments for difference in attribute, um, condition, location, view, uh, bedroom count, any of these things about the property and attempt to sort of put a numerical value to those little things that would raise or lower your value as related to that price per square foot and and you're right the kind of average house in the average place with the average view of the average size is going to come out pretty close to price per square foot yeah when you get down into smaller homes like the thousand square foot house the price per square foot on those tends to go much higher than normal because you're getting a full-on house but it's just smaller than they usually are so more price per square foot and then likewise when you're buying a behemoth house that is bigger than average with more bedrooms than average typically those ones are going to be a little bit lower price per square foot because they're just bigger and sprawling and it and and i think part of it is that those are just a little bit cheaper to build too um there's a lot of living space not necessarily expensive square feet to right. build it's it's just there's more living space so yeah you'll see that fluctuate depending on size of house but yeah and and i think it has a little bit of something to do with the demand too no, there's not as much demand for the houses that are bigger than average that's a specialty thing um so yeah it's it is just a nice thing if you want to get plugged in and have a good understanding of what price per square foot is in your area as well as other areas and then the county averages this is a great resource to be able to do it Go to centralcoastlending.com. There's a tab where you'll find the market update blog. That takes you over to the blog. How often is the blog updated? We try to post a few articles a week, if not something new every day. We got a loan application. I should have told you this before today, but we got a loan application this week, actually, from a guy from Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. A developer who's going to buy a home in San Luis Obispo County. He's not sure where yet. Um, Going to start his West Coast legs and coming our way and found us by way of a web search. And these, um, he was familiarizing himself with our county based on these blogs that were posted. And so he took it upon himself after, did a Google search about San Luis Obispo found out about our site, started checking it out, said, hey, cool, went on up to the apply now button, set up an account, filled out an application. So we came in on Monday morning to a loan application for a very qualified buyer um, that found us based on uh, the hard work that you guys put into the blog. I got to say, um, I doubt I'm even inspiration for any of this <laughs> stuff. I am not one of the blog writers. Um, I, you know, I'm a talker. Well, what's interesting about our Not website, you go to mortgage company websites, and for the most part, they're templated, they're they're the same, they're boring, they're, there's not a lot of information. They all drive you to apply online. We've taken a different approach where we try to answer the everyday questions that we get through our consultations with clients, through our own 
you know, uh, questions that we have about the business that we're in every day. And we try to answer those questions that you might have and be afraid to ask the on other, our website. The other thing I was going to say about it is if you're <clears throat> trying to, like, because engineers, okay, um, and Dan, you don't do the one-on-one -on -one interviews the way that we loan officer folk do every day, but engineers, when they come in, engineers come in with their spreadsheets, they've done their market research, they've been online. Oftentimes, they're finding it's either a boilerplate website that doesn't have any of the stuff they really want to know about program guidelines and down payments and months of reserves and mortgage insurance options. It doesn't have any of that stuff. You know where a lot of explanations were given for loan stuff? In the early 2000s. And those websites, I, I guess I don't know enough about the internet but those websites are up still and you can go learn about stuff that is illegal today totally outdated not at all useful and um, so that's the other thing i'll say about our site is not only is it packed full of content but it's the up-to-date current content. And when there's a change in the USDA program for upfront mortgage insurance or the FHA program for minimum credit score or whatever, we, we try to go through as best we can and make sure we keep that stuff up to date. Um, and anyway, it's a great site. I, I'm proud of it, even though I know I'm not a contributing factor to it. Um, I do like using it. and. And I know that people find it useful. All right. It's a quarter to 11. Would you believe it? Man, it just goes, but just flies just by. Just flies by. Just flies by. We're going to do um, the final commercial break here for the show. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, we have a few more things to talk about. We'll have another, oh, 15 minutes or so with you. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 home. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC.
Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Is this the Love Boat theme song? Yes. <laughs> Corny 70s love music. Hear that bass line, though? Oh, I, hear I, I hear it. It's actually dis- very disco-y. Love it. Yeah, I love a little Jack Jones now, man. You know? And of course, you're getting all these cheesy love songs because Jim, in his expertise of the board, loves to play the seasonally appropriate music. Oh, I did fun. not hear a presidential song. I no. Know. I you know could. what? He like he didn't even accept the challenge. He just said, I don't think I there's anything to like, do with presidents. There was not Abe Lincoln. There was like Gar- President Garfield by Johnny Cash. But I didn't... Uh, James K. Polk. Always, you know, but I, I couldn't find them in the music log. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you're just searching by like presidents' names. No, I, I put in songs about presidents. There's yeah. got to be. I mean, there's just. Well, let me see if I have James uh, Garfield. I mean, and you might even want to just expand it a little and type put in your search like El Presidente or yeah. you know POTUS. Try POTUS. POTUS. Search for <laughs> yeah. songs about the president. So we have sure covered a lot on today's show, huh? Right on the top of Google here, the 15 <laughs> best songs about U.S. presidents. I mean, I... I That's what I was looking at. Funky President by James Brown. Yeah, don't have it. Cue it up. Cue <laughs> yeah, it up. Cue it, it, it up. Right. What are they called? Carts. Put that cart in. Hmm. Uh, they actually are still called carts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, don't ever doubt me again. Yeah. Um, Young Abe Lincoln by Johnny Horton. Yeah. Don't have it. Abe Lincoln by Bishop Allen. Man, everybody want to sing about Abe Lincoln? Mm-hmm. Abe Abraham yeah. Lincoln by The Clutch. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't have. Uh, There's a song by They Might Be Giants. Do you guys remember uh, them? Yeah. This is not a strong finish to the show. James K. Paul. Just want to throw that out there. Okay. Yeah. If we could, if you could just cue up though, uh, "Funky President" by James Brown. I'm yeah, positive that's I one can... I want to hear. I mean, yeah. I got it right here. Uh, I know, but um, yeah. 
If you play it from like YouTube on the computer, that's it's, no good. Uh, yeah, it won't. It won't do I it. I can't huh? play and record at the same time. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like the old Walkman problem. Mm-mm. All right, not a good finish. Dan says, "All right, well then, lead us home, bud. Finish yeah. us strong." Obviously, this guy and I have—we've lost our way. You have. I only have one song by Johnny Horton, and it has nothing to do with like presidents. I don't like to go through a whole episode of Mortgage Matters without saying something bad about Wells Fargo. So there we go. <laughs> get back on track. Get back on track here. Uh, I was I was really just kidding about that. I was scrolling past the rest of the little clippings that I had to discuss today. Um, filed under good news. Wells Fargo is cutting over 500 jobs. Good news? Well, yeah. They're Probably job- not if you work at Wells Fargo and you happen to be one of those 500 people. But it's good news because they're the people that worked on loan mods, foreclosures. Oh, so there's not a lot of distressed Well, we've cut back issues. on delinquencies yeah. now. So now that we have less... So that's the good news. We have less delinquencies. The bad news, you've worked hard. Pat yourself on the back and get out of here. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but what, would, what did you expect would happen? Transfer these star employees into other roles and other departments? I'm sure they did move as many people as they could. Um, so that was kind of an interesting one. The good news of losing jobs. The good news of... No more delinquent. No, well, not no more delinquencies. Just less delinquencies. This is surprising, actually. Foreclosure statistics were um, revealed this week, or at least we found them um, for December of just this last what two months ago in December twenty down twenty one percent twenty fifteen down twenty one percent, but still thirty two thousand foreclosures in December of twenty fifteen. Can you believe? That's, yeah, that's a I lot. There's, a, a, yeah, but there's foreclosures are in a healthy market. They're yeah, in a true. normal market. True. Um, ideally, you'd be able to do a deed in lieu, and that's a. I mean, you hear that term kicked around, and really, I mean, in lieu is the Latin term for instead, and so the deed in lieu literally means that you would hand over the deed of your property instead of the foreclosure. So you're, you're heading on a path where you just know whatever happened to you, you're not going to be able to keep these balls in the air. I always wonder why people don't attempt to sell typically in a deed in lieu. Sale. Yeah, or, or you might even have a small amount of equity because you, you can do that too, mm-hmm. right? If you're just – the foreclosure component to this is because the loan is non-performing. You've, you've missed payments and now you're at the point where they've, they meet their acceleration clause and can do something to remedy the situation. So in a normal market though, whatever normal is, <laughs> there are foreclosures. Um, Surprisingly, we we saw one in Atascadero. It wasn't a foreclosure, actually. It was a short sale. It's a short sale, but that's heading to a foreclosure, right? So if somebody doesn't buy that house, um, and the price they're asking, I don't think anyone's, there's not going to be many takers. So it ends up a short sale. And I don't know the circumstance of what's wrong with that house. I'm only going to guess that. Or how much is owed on it. It's just been run down and not maintained appropriately to where somebody's looking at the work the property needs compared to what they owe and making the determination that they just can't go on. Um, But other things though, like say for example, somebody buys a home 
a, a single individual buys a home and then gets hit by a bus and dies. <laughs> that property goes through a foreclosure process. There's other times where somebody goes, um, you know, you could just go bankrupt because a business that you have, uh, like if, for example, if you have a, an oil-based business in Bakersfield today, you might be um, at risk of going into foreclosure. And um, so during this recession, we, we we knew what it looked like this time. People got laid off. People lost jobs. Homes went down a lot in value. That's what had it going Banks usually always had a loss mitigation department. The guys that knew how to work on foreclosures or loan modifications, they could put together a forbearance agreement for somebody that, I don't know, maybe it got... Was someone who lost their job or, or got had on, a death or was in the family. Temporary or, disability, yeah. like where I, I got a rehab for six months and my disability income's half of my normal income. So get me a deal together where I don't have to lose my house. I'll pay you less for six months and then I'll pay you more when I get back to work, but make a deal for me. Mm -hmm. That's what those people did in the loss mitigation department before today. And, and all banks have had that. Um, it's just during the great recession, <laughs> the staff required for those positions was huge. Yeah. And so just to give you an idea, the foreclosure inventory today is about 433,000 homes across the country, which represents a little over 1% of all homes with a mortgage. And I believe the number of mortgage properties is about 50% of the housing stock. I remember Something early in like my that. career, though, being told numbers that it was like a quarter to a half a percent was a normal foreclosure amount. So we're a little above that. We're a but little not above too that. much. Yeah, it's so not. It's a pretty ridiculous. good number. Um, we're at the kind of wrap up point of the show here, the the housekeeping portion, and I want to remind you guys that uh, we're available this week to help you if you need any kind of loan help. If you just need some advice, you need a game plan, maybe you need a new strategy. That's what we're here for. We are experts at home financing. Uh, we can help you buy a house, refinance a house. We offer all the government programs that there are, um, as well as the conventional and the private loans too. Um, private label loans, I should say, not individual private loans. We offer a number of construction Constru financing Yeah, options. I mean, the list is so long. There's mobile home, construction loan, lot loan, um, low-rise, high-rise condo. I mean, and we're licensed, uh, as odd as this might sound, for Colorado and then, of course, all of California. So if you have any need, um, even outside of our county here, we can certainly help facilitate that. Um, we are here to help, want to be a resource to you. If you have any of these needs, reach out to us. Uh, I know phones are probably ringing off the hook with these refinance solicitations. If you're being solicited for a refinance, um, let us throw our hat in that ring too. Most commonly, you're going to get pitched a no-cost refi. Um, and those are typically where you're getting a higher than market interest rate for a lower cost. We'd like to compete in that in idea that we could give you a lower rate interest rate um, with lower costs. So reach out to us at 543LoanCentralCoastLending.com. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy President's Day. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.